Good morning. I'm Nikki Pete, your worship associate today, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to the Williamsburg Unitarian Universalist online worship service. Our greeter today is Susan Fournier. Our other worship leaders today are our minister, Reverend Laura Horton Ludwig, our director of religious education, Austin Peterson, and our assistant director of music, Dave Robbins. If you're on Zoom, at this time, you might wanna change the speaker view so that you'll have a better view of whoever is speaking. Our AV technicians will be muting and unmuting you as needed. If you'd like to follow along with the order of service, I invite you to visit wuu.org to download a copy. You'll find the link right next to the Zoom and YouTube links. If you're visiting today, we invite you to share your name in the chat if you like, and anything you'd like us to know about you. We're glad you're here. And if you're not yet on our email list and would like to join, to keep up with opportunities to connect, serve and grow, please fill out our online visitor form at wuu.org, right under the link, underneath the link to download the order of service. This Wednesday, we have a special learning opportunity. Reverend Laura will be leading a survey class on Unitarian Universalist history from 6 to 8 p.m. on Zoom. All are welcome. Then this Friday and Saturday, we're hosting a drive up food drive on campus to support Williamsburg House of Mercy. Only unopened canned or boxed food will be accepted. No uh, open boxes and no perishable items. Checks will also be accepted to help them purchase diapers. Please make your checks payable to WUU. Just stop by the WUU main building with your contributions 2 to 5 p.m. this Friday or Saturday. Now let's enjoy some music played by our own Dave Robbins. This is the Gymno PD number one by the 19th century French composer, Eric Satie.
Good morning again, everyone. We're happy that you've joined us via live stream audio or video or Zoom. Whether you've come seeking comfort, encouragement, or inspiration, you belong here. You're seen here. Even if you're joining by phone and we cannot see you physically, if you're a visitor, we offer you a special welcome and a warm thank you for joining us online today. Now I invite you to join in saying our welcoming words. Please, as you say these words, please speak them to each other and know that we are connected across the distance. The words are pasted into the Zoom chat. Let's say them in unison. Folks on Zoom, we will unmute you so that you can hear each other. Come, 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 wherever you are, whomever you love, to bring your image to the holy presence of the gift, or worthy, or worthy, or welcome. Thank you, Nikki. Our call to worship this morning comes to us from the Reverend Sarah Stewart. She's a white UU minister serving the First Unitarian Church in Worcester, Massachusetts. Bring who you are as you arrive here this morning. Bring your best self and your struggling self. Bring your mistakes and your triumphs. Bring your shortcomings and your recommitment to good. Bring yourself here and open your heart to beauty, to truth, to the door that is open to the presence of the Spirit. Here in this congregation, we are trying to walk together on a peaceable way, trying to hammer out division and hatred and all that separates one from another. We try and we will fall short. But held in love, we try again. We come together this morning as a congregation to bow our heads in prayer, to raise our voices in song, to remember our promises and vow to live by them once again. Come, let us worship together. Now please join me by saying the words to light our chalice. If you have a chalice or candle handy nearby, please go ahead and light it now. As we highlight Sierra Selby, again, we'll unmute you and say the words in use. Eat them if you have to. This chalice. The warmth of love. The light of truth. The energy of action. So I'm so thrilled to introduce our wisdom story for today. This week, 
marks the 250th anniversary of a big milestone on the universalist side of our family tree. Austin and I asked the Craig family if they would be interested in acting out the story of this milestone. They said yes, and their version is amazing. So without further ado, I present to you Winds of Change, the John Murray story, directed by Zen Craig, age six, with voices by Kanan Craig. Let's watch. Take 40. Now. Go. Now, accent. Renewal. Renewal is what brings us together today. And love, universal love, is a message that was carried by the wind many years ago. I'd like to tell you a story about the changing winds. You never know what the wind will blow in. The wind can change directions and change your wife. I'm here to tell you a story of a man that had many winds shape his wife. Man John Murray was an Englishman who had some excellent fortune blow his way early in his wife. Mostly. He had a fine education, a steady job, a loving wife, and a young son. Wife was good for John for some time, until one day a terrible wind blew, and John's wife and child became sick and died. John lost his job, lost all his money, and was put in debtor's prison. That is where our scene begins. Good evening, John. I have paid your debt, and now it is time for you to leave this horrid place. I know times have been hard. I thought God was a loving God. But why would a loving God take my family and everything from me? I'm not sure what I believe in anymore. It is time to put the past behind you, John. There is a ship to set sail for America. You should go. A new life awaits you there. And so it was that on July 21st, 1770, a new wind brew, one of hope for a new beginning. John Murray booked passage on the hand in hand that set sail for New York City. All was on course until a thick, dense fog rolled in. Zero visibility. Everyone on board wait I feared a shipwreck. The ship drifted southward and ran aground in New Jersey. Captain, I will go ashore for directions and gather supplies. Making his way to a farmhouse with a modest chapel adjacent to it, spotting a man who was quickly approaching. 
Welcome to Good Luck Point. I noticed your ship has drifted ashore. My name is Thomas Potter. How could I be of service to you, good sir? My name is John Murray. I'm a passenger on this ship. We ran into some strange weather that let us off course, and now we seem to be stuck here without wind to blow us out. We have, we have had a good harvest and plenty of fruit to share for all of your passengers on board. Please take these supplies, and might I ask you to join my wife and I for dinner this evening, Mr. Murray? We would be very grateful for your kindness, Mr. Potter. I would be delighted to join you for dinner. Later at the Potter's Farmhouse. Welcome back, my friend. I'm glad you have returned. I have been expecting you for a long time. But my apologies for keeping you waiting, Mr. Potter, but it's only been a couple hours. <laughs> Please, call me Thomas. Allow me to explain. Take a walk with me. I'd like to show you the chapel. I built this chapel ten years ago. A beautiful summer breeze blew, and I heard God's calling to build a place where everyone was welcome. I dreamed this chapel would be a place where truthful, loving, and inclusive religion would be preached. I prayed to God to send me a minister. John, you are that minister. I knew you would come. I never lost hope. No! I mean, uh, see, Mr. P uh, Thomas, listen, I'm not a preacher anymore. I promised myself I would never preach again. I left that life behind me with the hopes of starting a fresh new life here in America. John, you are the Universalist minister that I have been waiting for. You are not here by accident. Please, preach on Sunday, here in this chapel that I built for you. I'm sorry, I cannot preach on Sunday. As soon as the winds change, my boat will set sail, and I must be on it. The wind will never change, sir, until you have delivered to us, in that meeting house, a message from God. If I am still here on Sunday, I will preach. Excitedly shaking John's hand. Uh, how about a hug? Thomas Potter quickly invited all of his friends and neighbors to the service on Sunday morning. He was confident that the wind would not blow and that his dream was about to come true. On Sunday morning, September 30th, 1770, John Mary preached a message of universal love. A love that is available to all people everywhere. John Murray felt renewed, and he now wanted to preach more than anything. We cannot forget that Thomas Potter's hospitality, faith, and encouragement 
were all necessary elements that wed John Murray to preach that day. The winds of renewal, connection, and friendship aligned perfectly for John Murray to share the message of universal love 250 years ago. My gosh, I'm just so grateful. Thank you, Craigs. Thank you so much. That was just unbelievable. So now if we can, I'm gonna invite us to shift gears just a bit and join in a spirit of meditation, a spirit of reflection and prayer as we receive the words of the Reverend Lynn Cox. She's a white UU minister from Baltimore and this is her prayer for Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, which our Jewish congregants and neighbors will observe beginning tonight. Spirit of life, source of love, you who know our struggles and failures as well as we know them ourselves, be with us as we enter into this time of reflection Give us the courage to travel through a moral inventory of our lives, to notice the places where we have missed opportunities to live our values, to acknowledge the times when we have done harm. Inspire us with the will and the means to change for the better. Guide us to make amends where we can. Turn us toward life in the coming year a life of growth, a life of compassion, a life of learning from experience. Eternal one of blessing, we ask these things not only in our individual lives, but also in our communal life. Lead us to fresh understanding of systemic oppression, of dehumanization, of callous disregard for the neighbors we have failed to acknowledge. Open our hearts to the words and ideas of those most impacted and join our hands in the work of rebuilding this world from love. Especially today, we think of the family of Brianna Taylor, the people of Louisville and the entire black community May they have justice, may they be safe, and may our actions make it so. Beloved unseen, there are those among us and connected to us who are suffering. Guide us to join you in the spirit of kindness, to support systems of care, and to offer our presence when we can. We pray for all who are affected by police violence, 
We pray for refugees around the world and for all those affected by unjust immigration policies. We pray for those resisting totalitarianism. We pray for those bearing witness to the destruction of their way of life through ecological devastation. We pray for those who are ill, who are grieving, who are struggling, who are seeking recovery, who are working to make a change. Let your love wash over them and us and bring us into life-giving right relationship. And especially today, we think of the family and loved ones of Elandria Williams, former co-moderator of the Unitarian Universalist Association, who passed away this week as a result of heart disease at the age of 41. And today we also mourn the loss of the Reverend Dave McPherson, Minister Emeritus of the First UU Church of Richmond and a friend of this congregation. He died on Friday at the age of 92. May they rest in peace and power. Singer of skies and mountains and pastures in this season of turning toward life, remind us to be grateful and to celebrate joy where we find it. We lift up our loved ones who have achieved milestones. We give thanks for the beauty of this day, for this community, and for the opportunity to be together. And most especially today, we rejoice with Sierra Selby and John Michael Reich. They are getting married today. We wish them many joyful years together. This space holds the entirety of our lives, the highs and the lows. And with all of these things on our hearts, let us continue our prayers and meditations in silence. May it be so, and amen. 
We'll seal this time by singing or perhaps just listening to a hymn with words by a white 19th century Quaker and abolitionist, John Greenleaf Whittier. The tune is a traditional Irish melody, Immortal Love. hosting a series of From the Heart Reflections by members and friends of the congregation, speaking about their commitment to civic engagement. And today I am delighted to welcome Herb Jones. Thank you, Herb. Good morning, uh, Dr. Laura. Thank you all for the opportunity for me to share my thoughts on civic engagement and why I think it's important. I believe there are several ways to implement and influence change sitting at the table of negotiation. My civic engagement has been driven by my family history and my own experiences and starts with my, with my parents. And just to give you a couple of examples, in 1938 in Ware South Carolina, my mother was eight years old. One afternoon she was playing in her front yard and local authorities came by, walked past her to the front door of her very modest home to inform her, her, her and her family that her father had been lynched and burn. This is just one of the many hardships that my mother experienced uh, in her 75 years of life. My father is from North, North is that from Asheville, North Carolina. He's the most brilliant human being I've ever met or ever known. He aspired to, for a career in medicine, but he was unable to attend medical school in North Carolina, South Carolina, or Virginia. And he found a school in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where, where he was able to get a certificate in medical technology. 
My parents met at a segregated all-black hospital in Black Mountain, North Carolina, and they moved around a bit up and down the East Coast and settled in Roanoke, Virginia. And that's where me and my three brothers were raised. My parents were devout Catholics, so they sacrificed and sent us to Roanoke Catholic schools from kindergarten to graduation. They believed we'd get a better education and a better experience. I could tell you a lot of stories about the, the Catholic Church and, and some of their shortcomings, but Dr. Lord told me I only have five minutes. Um, my parents weren't bitter about their hardships. They just knew that they had to work around them and taught us that we had to be better and do better. I've tried to live up to this. By most measures, I've had a very successful and productive career. I served in the Army and retired at the rank of full colonel. I've run for office here in New Kent for treasurer and board of supervisors and last year for state senate. I've also worked in banking and finance and currently the CEO of a small consulting firm. And in spite of this success, I've faced some hardships and I won't list them all here, but the one area that I wanna talk about is law enforcement. And, and what I'll say here is for every George Floyd or Breonna Taylor, there are thousands of interactions between law enforcement and people of color. I spent four years of my life in combat in Iraq and Afghanistan and never had a weapon pointed at my head. Yet here in the United States, twice I've been stopped by law enforcement and had guns pointed at my head for no other reason than the color of my skin. I used to coach AAU basketball. And once I was headed to practice with two of my 14 year old players in my vehicle, we were stopped by a state trooper and the only reason she stopped us is because she saw three black males in the vehicle. And when she stopped and I asked her why she stopped us, she told me that she wanted to make sure that the person in the back seat was wearing a seatbelt. And if you know anything, if, if you know anything about the law, you, police officers can't, or at that time, they couldn't stop somebody for a secondary violation. I, I, could, I could give you 10 other experiences like this that, I, that I've experienced. And I, I have three brothers who all have had similar um, uh, interactions with law enforcement. So um, I, I only have five minutes. I could go on and on, but I, I want to stay on Dr. Laura's good side. So uh, I'll close by saying we've seen protests this summer by citizens and professional athletes. And one question that surfaced often is, why does this country not love us? Well, my attitude is I don't care. Who care? I don't care if someone dislikes me or doesn't want to be around me. What I care about is civic engagement. Um, it's difficult to change hearts and minds, but we can change laws and we can change policies that lead to a more perfect union. And this is why I believe civic engagement is so important. You have to get be at the table of negotiation to make these changes. So with that, with that said, thank you all for the opportunity to speak this morning and um, and I'll close it there. Thank you. Each Sunday, we make an offering from the bounty we're blessed to enjoy. We do so in a spirit of generosity and in recognition of our ongoing commitment to serve our world and share our values. If you're joining us for the first time, Please feel free to give if you wish, and also know that your presence is gift enough. Today's offering goes to our general operating fund, which supports just about everything we do here. 
If you'd like to give through our website, please visit wuu.org and click on Give Online to WUU. If you'd like to give by text, please text the dollar amount of your gift to 757-500-0688. Again, that's 757-500-0688. And just follow the prompts from there. Or if you prefer to give by check, please mail your check to WUU, 3051 Ironbound Road, Williamsburg, Virginia, 23185. Thank you so much. Our offertory music now is by the French composer Claude Debussy. He wrote this when he was just 26 years old.
Thank you, Dave. That was beautiful. Today's reading is by the Reverend Teresa Soto. They are a non-binary Latino minister serving the First Unitarian Church of Oakland, California. In this community, we hold hope close. We don't always know what comes next, but that cannot dissuade us. We don't always know just what to do, but that will not mean that we are lost in the wilderness. We rely on the certainty beneath, the foundation of our values and ethics. We are the people who return to love like a North Star and to the truth that we are greater together than we are alone. Our hope does not live in some glimmer of an indistinct future. Rather, we know the way to the world of which we dream and by covenant and the movement forward of one right action and the next, we know that one day we will arrive at home. Thank you, Nikki. I want to take just a moment to express some gratitude for what we've experienced today. Nikki, I so appreciate your, your calm and steady presence with us. Thank you so much. And Dave Robbins, the videos you create are such a joy. It's, um, it, it, it is a balm to my spirit and I'm very grateful for all that you do. And Herb Jones today, just want to say, I hope you've seen all those chat messages. Um, boy, thank you for your words. Thank you for um, the life that backs up your words. Very, very powerful. And we're so glad that you are here. So a couple of years after his fateful encounter with Thomas Potter, John Murray was giving a lecture in Boston. While he was speaking, somebody pitched a rock through the window, apparently trying to shut the lecture down, which must have been quite a shock. But without missing a beat, John Murray went to pick up the rock, held it in front of the crowd and said, this argument is solid and weighty, but it is neither rational nor convincing. Snap. He was all ready to get back into the podium and keep going. His friends in the audience said, maybe this is too dangerous. Maybe we have to stop the event. But John Murray refused. He stood in front of that crowd and declared, not all the stones in Boston, except they stop my breath, shall shut my mouth or arrest my testimony. He had come a long way since that day in September 1770, when his ship ran aground off the coast of Good Luck, New Jersey. In England, John Murray had been a universalist preacher. But as you heard in the Craig family's amazing video, in his late 20s, John Murray's life took a very painful turn. His only son died when he was just a baby. And shortly after that, his wife died. Then he found out that four of his eight siblings had also died. He went into debt. He landed in debtor's prison. In those days in England, if you were in debt, you could be thrown into prison until you could pay up. Eventually, his brother-in-law got him out of prison. But he was so deep in grief 
that he had no energy or will to preach anymore. He just, he just couldn't do it. In his autobiography, he recalls that in those days, he felt like he wanted, this is a quote, to pass through life unheard, unseen, unknown to all, as though I never had been. Today, we would probably say he was suffering from depression brought on by grief. And I want to pause here and lift up that many of us right here may also be struggling with depression. Maybe we ourselves or someone we know and love. We know that the COVID pandemic isn't only affecting our physical health, it has triggered a mental health crisis as well. You might have seen the statistics. Last month, the CDC reported that 24% of people they surveyed reported that they were experiencing symptoms of depression. One in four people. That is four times the rate of depression before the pandemic began. We, all of us have had to cope with tragedy upon tragedy and it takes its toll. And so if you are feeling depressed or if, you worried, if you're worried that someone you care about is depressed, I hope that you are finding support. I hope that you will reach out if you need help. And I know that can be hard, but if you want help getting connected to a therapist, you can please feel free to call me or email me. I can help with referrals. One good thing about our current reality is that everybody's offering appointments by telehealth, so you don't even need to leave your house to get help. I hope that you will do what you need to do to care for yourself. So turning back to our story now, back in John Murray's day, that kind of help was not available, but he found a different kind of help in a rather unlikely place. Who would have thought that running aground on a sandbar would have been the very best thing that could have happened to him? But of course, that is exactly what happened. He met Thomas Potter and the rest was history. Thomas Potter was 71 years old when he built that little chapel on his farm. He was a universalist. He believed that God would save everybody when that was a very new thing to believe. There were not a lot of universalist preachers roaming around New Jersey in those days, but Thomas Potter was utterly convinced that if he built that chapel, one would show up eventually. That took faith and hope. In the reading that Nikki shared with us today, the Reverend Teresa Soto reminds us that in this community, we hold hope close. She says, we don't always know what comes next, but that cannot dissuade us. We don't always know just what to do, but that will not mean that we are lost in the wilderness. Thomas Potter knew how to hold love, hope close. Even though his neighbors told him he was foolish to keep hoping, even though he couldn't point to any evidence that made it likely that the preacher he was hoping for would show up one day, he held his hope close. And I suspect his hope came to hold him steady. 
as Teresa Soto tells us, this kind of hope is not just for some glimmer of an indistinct future. Thomas Potter had a clear vision of what he hoped for, a religion of love and mercy and hope, starting in his backyard and spreading into the community all around him. And he believed that if he took one right action and the next, if he built that chapel and kept his eye out for the partner that he needed, a preacher who could share that message he held in his heart, eventually it would happen. And I wonder if we also need that kind of hope in this moment, the kind of hope that says, act now and keep faith. Our time will come. Ten years after he built his chapel, Thomas Potter was 81 years old, still hoping, still waiting expectantly for the right moment. And one day, 250 years ago this week, young John Murray, aged 29, showed up in a rowboat saying, I'm stuck here, and by the way, I used to be a universalist preacher. Imagine what Thomas Potter must have felt after so long his hope had become reality. Of course, at first, John Murray was not interested in being the realization of Thomas Potter's dream. He resisted hard. He did not want to be that preacher. His heart was not in it. His spirit was too low. But as Thomas Potter kept pushing, something shifted. And I'm reminded of the famous words of Albert Schweitzer. You might know them. At times, our own light goes out and is rekindled by a spark from another person. Each of us has cause to think with deep gratitude of those who have lighted the flame within us. When someone is caught in the grip of depression, as John Murray was, there is no predicting exactly what will help them heal. But healing is possible. Our spark can be rekindled. And today I am grateful that Thomas Potter's hope was strong enough to spark new life in John Murray's heart and spirit. And I pray that spark will be rekindled in the hearts and spirits of everyone who has been struggling in this moment. Imagine John Murray stepping into that pulpit on that long ago Sunday morning wooden benches creaking, the crisp scent of fall leaves in the air, Thomas Potter and his neighbors smiling and waiting expectantly for him to open his mouth and say, do not be afraid for love is here. And if he were with us today, I like to think he would tell us to celebrate hope wherever we find it, to let ourselves receive love and let love flow through us, to rejoice in everything that renews our spirit today and tomorrow and our whole life long. Amen, and may it be so.
Now I invite you to sing along wherever you are to our closing hymn, Love Will Guide Us. The words are by Sally Rogers, a white folk musician from Michigan. And the music is a traditional tune arranged by UU musician, Betty Wilder. Love Will Guide Us. Love Will Guide Us is hymn 131 from Singing in the Living Tradition. Sing along at home. The words start with Love Will Guide Us. Love Will Guide Us. Peace has tried us. Peace has tried us. Hope inside us. Hope inside us. We'll lead the way. say the words to extinguish the chalice and we invite you to blow out your candle at the same time we will paste the words in the zoom chat and again we'll say them in unison brothers take it home we have two full boxes extinguish <laughs> this flame Extinguish not the light of the light of the community fire of commitment we carry, carry in our hearts. We are together again. Thanks, everybody, for rolling with it today. And I invite you now to hold your hands out as a sign of all that connects us. As you go, may love guide you and may hope bless you. May you be a light for others and may light find you and hold you and keep you always. So may it be, blessed be, and amen. <laughs>